another Power Up Tuesday right here on TDN Radio. You are now listening to Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone right here on TDN Radio. If it is Tuesday, it is a wonderful time to get together, to get powered up for the week together. So I hope that it is a beautiful day in your neck of the woods. As for us down here in Georgia, I am so enjoying this cooler weather. The summer days are behind us and I am certainly enjoying the cooler temperatures down here in Georgia. So I hope that it is a beautiful day wherever you're joining us from, whether you're joining from down Dominica, the Caribbean, or the rest of the world. Uh, unfortunately, we've heard of a fifth death from COVID-19 in Dominica. So this is truly unfortunate news, and we hope that it will be the last of the COVID deaths in Dominica, but we continue to encourage everyone to follow the protocols as we continue to battle this COVID-19 virus. And yes, we've heard of yet another mutation of the virus. So again, we encourage everyone to get vaccinated because the only way to permanently stop the virus from mutating and becoming even more contagious, even more deadly, is for all of us to get vaccinated. So I hope that you will do your part to end this pandemic. So it is wonderful to be here with you again for yet another episode of Untapped Potential. We have another packed hour of programming for you this evening. As we mentioned before last week, we will have the continuation of Surviving Storms, the part two of the program that we continue to share. And I also want to mention that we are so grateful that we reached out to Dr. Thompson Fountain for his program, uh, Lifeline, on Sunday morning on Q95. And he was gracious enough to share the entire program. So I want to say a special thank you to Dr. Thompson Fountain for sharing the entire program of Surviving Storms and for recognizing the importance of the work that they're doing. So I encourage you to stay tuned for the second part of the program. And then don't forget to stay tuned until the end of the program 
to find out how we are continuing to build this international village, this global community of Dominicans at home and abroad, as well as folks of Caribbean heritage. So again, welcome to the program. It is always wonderful to be here with you as we get powered up for the week together. And taking a quick look at the calendar, we can see that this is the first week of September. Yes, so the end of the year is quickly uh, coming uh, towards us. We can see it clearly now. As a matter of fact, I think we're about to start making plans for the Christmas holidays at my house. So hopefully uh, the numbers in terms of COVID-19 will be down a little bit by December. So we will be able to make some plans to head over to New York City to visit our relatives over there. So I'm keeping my fingers, my toes and everything else crossed <laughs> that we will be able to make some plans for the Christmas holidays. So again, welcome to the program. Let us enjoy this number, a brand new track from Shelly out of the Signal Band in Dominica, a song entitled uh, Staying Positive or Testing Positive as a matter of fact, because if you've been paying attention to the news, you would have known that Shelly, unfortunately, tested positive for COVID-19 about a month ago. So as he usually does, turning lemons into lemonade, he has brought us this number, a very positive song. And I want you to listen very closely to the lyrics of the song to show how he was able to turn the lyrics around to make it into a positive experience. So again, enjoy this number from Shelly, a song entitled Staying Positive as we uh, begin the program, as we continue to share on Surviving Storms, a very important documentary, a very important organization that is doing wonderful work in Dominica. So enjoy this number and then if stay you tuned. To test for the positive, what are the consequences of that? Well, first of all, these are the days when the negative feels much better than a positive. When you think is a friend, is a friend of the enemy. When we don't know what and who to trust. Be darkness. You have your sack to lay and nobody. 
special thank you to Annette Phillip for coming on board as the latest sponsor of Untapped Potential. Annette is an innovator, she's a trailblazer, and she's always looking for an opportunity to advance herself. So thank you, Annette, for being our latest sponsor of Untapped Potential. And for more information about Annette, the author, you can visit her page at sammythebunny.com. So again, that is sammythebunny.com. And Annette is now also a consultant for Touchstone Jewelry. So for more information, you can contact her via her website, sammythebunny.com. And again, we say a special good evening to you, Annette. And we say thank you for believing in the work that we do here uh, through Untapped Potential. And thank you for signing on as a sponsor to the program. Okay, with us, uh, in case you're just joining us, we're speaking to Dr. Adam uh philogen heron we're speaking to mrs delia weeks uh coffee weeks i got my names backwards and, <laughs> and <laughs> as well as kayla gist and we're speaking to surviving storms so their goal is to map out the hazards of dominica based on oral history as well as based on documentation the impact and the history of hurricanes in Dominica. And we're looking forward to your contribution to the discussion. And we will come back to you in a minute, uh, our panel, as you tell us the information that you're looking to extract out of the interviews. But I see we already have some comments coming in with regards to people's experiences with these hurricanes. So I wanna take some comments. So Louisa says, the Dominican community in Bradford purchased a minibus for the home of the aged after Tropical Storm Erica. The van has been spotted a few times by visitors. We also raised the money for selected primary school, long process to ensure the funds go to those most in need after Maria, but because of COVID, the funds have been have not yet been distributed. So we want to hear. We want to hear about your experiences with the particular storms and hurricanes in Dominica. Let's see. Marva Charles says the Woodhouses no foundation, and I just lost the comment. So let me scroll back up real quick because we have quite a few comments coming in. So I want to make sure we can get them. The Woodhouses no foundation, but built on pole and the nail was made of wood. She also mm -hmm. says the, the Herod, tree. Yes. Mm -hmm. She also says the Herod newspaper was owned by my uncle and Charles. Thank you for letting us know. Uh, Marva, let's see if we can take one more comment uh, before we move on. So we are looking forward to hearing everything that you have to share. A friend of mine, this is from Louisa again, a friend of mine was visiting Dominica when Erica struck the hotel owner left the hotel and the guests were left to fend for themselves. Oh, no. <laughs> I, think I think there might be a movie in that one. I'm not sure. I think there might be a movie. Maybe a Netflix. We can propose that one. Absolutely. And I'm hoping that is one of the directions that all this research is going to. But before we talk about that, just tell us what are you looking to extract from the interviews? How anyone can um, uh, submit and our contribution to you and what information are you looking to extract from personal accounts of anyone who survived different hurricanes and storms in Dominica? 
Great, thank you. Um, so the, the main way that we're looking to do it here, so we've got a range of different approaches that we're taking. So again, with Create Caribbean, who Kayla is, uh, whose organization Kayla is from, uh, we've been recording stories ourselves. So there's visiting folks, specifically in Lubia, which is where I've got a lot of friends and a lot of contacts. And as we know, Lubia was quite, was quite badly affected by Maria. Um, many losses there and, and, um, and we wanted to really hear people's own stories. Um, so we've recorded them ourselves. But with regards to this conversation, what you can actually do is you can actually get in touch with us on WhatsApp. We've got a Surviving Storm WhatsApp number. So if you've got a pen close, then please take this down. That's 225-5840. That's 225-5840. Of course, add a 767 in front of that for Dominica. Um, and what you can actually do is reach out to us directly, make contact, and you can just share your story. Do so via a voice note, because then you're able to share it in its fullest. If it comes up to 15 minutes, if it comes up to 20 minutes and half an hour, we know these are rich stories. We know they're complex stories. Feel free to share them in your own words. If it comes up as two different voice notes, then feel free and we can, we can edit that down. What we really want to do is we want people's stories on their own terms. We know that after Maria, um, and to some extent after Erica as well, we know that CNN and BBC and these big news organizations came to Dominica and they used a lot of the same kinds of phrases that they used to document any disaster around the world. They talked about being like a war zone, comparing the desolate landscape to Iraq, talking about the level of suffering and all of these things, talking about the looting in sometimes quite racialized ways, the same ways that, that looting, for instance, was, was talked about in, in Katrina and, and those kinds of places as well. And then quickly they moved off to the next disaster. Now I'm not saying it wasn't important for galvanizing um, support, for, for, for people mobilizing to, to send things to Dominica. Of course, that was very important. But what we realize is that those stories often weren't told on people's own terms. People who were doing that work were people like Emo News, um, for instance, using, using Facebook as a platform especially to do that. Um, and folks as well, like Misselix as well, who's a YouTuber. And they were going from community to community and. Please uh, apologize if I missed anybody who was doing that, because I know there are a lot of people on the ground doing that work. But go into community, from community to community to see how people were doing there, to gather their stories from them. Now, what we want to do kind of four years on from Maria is to do that, but looking further back as well. So looking at people's experiences of Maria, looking at people's experiences of Erica, um, also experiences of David, or even if there's any memories that you have, like Ms. Delia was saying, of elders who've spoken to you about say, earlier hurricanes, or even your experiences of smaller ones like Marilyn, which had a strange course, as we know, that kind of doubled back, or, or, um, or even the, the the Christmas the Christmas trough, I think it was, that came through that caused quite a lot of flooding and and some small um, some small landslides around close to the Newtown area, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. And I remember walking through all the mud with one of my cousins because I was there for that one. So two two five. 5840, you can, you can introduce yourself on the WhatsApp. Mm. If we get a, a large volume, then I'll do my best to, to keep up and to give you a response. And then you can share your stories. And the idea there is that if you say which community that you're from as well, then we can, and if you choose not to do that, you don't have to, but if you say which community you're from, we can drop the audio pin in a particular place, and then your own oral story would appear on the map, and you'd be able to tell, tell your story of, of the storm and how it affected you. Um, Explain the story as if you're explaining it to somebody who doesn't know much about um, your about your experience or or who doesn't know much about the community, and then it can be as rich as possible, and and anybody can pick it up and, and understand. So anybody that's interested, feel free to reach out, or if you have further questions about the project, that same number, 
um, and we can begin a conversation. Um, and I'm especially interested, as as um, as as Ms. Delia was saying again, in anybody from folks like um, places like Foncole or places like um, Silver Lake as well. Your communities, I guess, grew out of these experiences, and there were still vulnerabilities in those areas. So, if you want to talk at all about your experiences of um, Hurricane David, and, and Hurricane David as being the kind of the genesis point of a whole new community springing up, that would be interesting to hear about too. So, it's over to you guys as to how you want to talk about. It. We we want the voices to be Dominican led. You don't need other people talking for for you. Um, there's a, a long history of experts coming from elsewhere that goes all the way back into when we're talking about the archives, telling you how to rebuild. But I know that the Dominicans know their landscape very well. And so that's what we really want to hear from. And then we can bring that into conversation with the science. You know, we've got scientists who we're working with, um, folks at the Mona Geographic Geo, Geoinformatics Institute, which is in the University of the West Indies in Jamaica, and Gabrielle Abraham, who is working with them here in Dominica. She's actually doing some of the hazard mapping, so using the science to understand the landscape. But we really want that to be in conversation with folks' experiences of the landscape, because you guys are, are experts in your own right, based on your based on your lived experience, based on your observations, based on that oral tradition as well as Ms. Delia mentioned that's been passed down. So I'll leave it there. Two two five five eight four zero. And if you have questions, then feel free to feel free to send them send them our way, and we'll do our best to keep in to keep in contact and to get back to you as soon as possible. Yes, and this is this is truly incredible work that you're doing, Adam and Dilly and Kayla. So we are so thankful for everyone, and we know that there are other folks behind the scene as well working with you. So we're so grateful for the work that you're doing. And we want to talk about the implications for even the Caribbean region in a little while. But I, I hope you guys have some extra time you can spare. I thought we were going to do an hour, but if it's okay with you. I, I'm hoping you, you guys can can continue with us for just a little bit of while longer because I just saw that Annabelle Wilson posted the link to the short film that Adam was talking about. So I just wanted to share a quick clip of this particular film, if that is okay with you. Yes, and can I give a very quick plug, which is just to say Annabelle, who is the project manager, but also research associate on the project. So she actually recorded the film. So the voice you'll hear is hers. And congratulations to Annabelle. I think you did a great job. And thank you to everybody in Petit Savan who shared their who shared their stories. And just we see you, we see the wonderful work that you're doing, the important work that you're doing. It's not always being documented and recognized, but I'm glad that this this film can have some impact and hopefully people can can recognize what people are doing in Petit Savan um, and for Petit Savan as well. Yes, thank you for that. So let's just take a quick, let me open this wide enough so I can see the screen. So let's just take a quick listen. Let's make sure the audio is on so we can hear. And let's see if we can. A Road to Repair is the name. And let's take a quick listen. We'll just listen to maybe about two minutes or so. I mean, disaster happens all over the world, you know? I mean, you can stop that, that's a natural disaster. But when I really put the act together and put everything, you know? Into, into perspective. I think Peter Savant artists still have potential and there are things that could be, be done here. If people really, you know, put their heads together and um, basically if you get the assistance and um, that is needed, things can move a little, you know, a little better. Sure. Thank <laughs> you. 
Saturdays they get to that time to do something at home or to their, their garden and then on Sunday right on Sundays we do that like a free up time you know those some of us need to go to church too but uh, we got understand that if we have something to do then you, you you know we have to do it I usually pass around you know and ask people you know that is what we're doing right? some whatever they give goes along you know and we appreciate it storms uh the, the the organization is doing so adam just kind of tell us what we were just looking at and what we were listening to okay so that was starrett so he is the gentleman who runs the bay oil distillery in pity savan um and that was the guys who are doing their kubme um every sunday or every other sunday um coming together as a village uh doing the fixing up the road patching various different areas of the road and then they have food all together at the end of the day take a little kicks, have a drink, and just kind of free up themselves. And if you watch to the end of the documentary, as you're kind of going through, you'll hear the voices actually of, of him and two of his brothers, and each of them has a slightly different perspective. So one of them is talking about the importance of his, of his son, who's, who's quite young, who, um, who was born shortly after Eric, I believe, um, and how important it is for him to know the place, for him to know where his father comes from. The mother comes from Grand Bay, but he's from Piti Savan, and how important that is for their identity to return, to return home. Um, and the, how important the, the village is as well to their livelihoods, as his brother was mentioning, and needing the road as almost a means of... In Dominica, we talk about roads as being a means of communication. In other parts of the world, when they say communication, they talk about phones and they talk about, about the internet. But in Dominica, roads include, are included in, conversa in, in conversations around communication because to communicate involves sometimes taking a walk from Koliho to Kulibistri, or it would have involved taking a walk over the mountain to come down to town to, to sell your, your wares or whatever it might have been historically. And so connecting up those communities means that Dominica doesn't become a, an island of little enclaves, but becomes a connected place where, where you're able to still be rooted to identity. So many people move to town, but to say that you're from Roseau sometimes only tells half the story because you'll have roots, as, as Nadida was saying, in Grand Bay, for instance, or, or elsewhere on the island. Um, and so the, the documentary really was to was to give some recognition to the work that they're doing to maintain their road, um, but also to invite people to give. So there's a number at the end 
um, where if you want to um, to support by offering offering any materials and so on, you can get in contact via the number. You can reach out to Starrett and you can let him know that you're able to share some food or you're able to share some materials. And even if you're doing so from overseas, we know already that there's various different means by which you can do that, um, whether it's MoneyGram or whatever it might be. So if you see the work that they're doing and if you appreciate the work that you're doing, then by all means, do try and do try and support. Um, and those that are in Dominica, you can lend it more in more immediate ways. If you've got some food you wanted to share for those guys as they're making their one pot at the end of the day, then by all means, um, by all means, get involved as well. But that's just just a glimpse of some of the stuff that we're doing. So it takes a while to edit these videos, um, but we're planning to produce more more videos like that from various different communities. And the audio, imagine the, the audio as being a similar kind of thing. So where people are sharing their stuff by a voice note, then we'll, we'll edit that down as kind of an audio an audio thing. So you can listen to it almost like you're listening to the radio, you know, and the short mm -hmm. thing that you can click on and it will tell you a little bit about a person's story. Yeah, so for those of us who are listening to this program via um, the radio, again, the YouTube uh, title you want to look for is A Road to Repair, and it should be the first option that comes up. So again, A Road to Repair, and we're speaking to Surviving Storms, and they're telling us the importance of mapping Dominica based on its vulnerabilities to hurricanes. So let's continue the conversation. And I was just wondering, how does this project contribute to the present and long-term hurricane preparedness? So Delia, Kayla, if you want to jump in on that particular question. So why is this what's so important to being prepared um, for long-term long hurricane preparedness? Well, um, Simone, what I would say is having grown up with people who had gone through hurricanes before my time, we learned certain things that maybe we didn't understand the significance of it until we ourselves experienced that. I am a child of the 60s, so the question of electric, electricity was something in my later life, but we grew up with kerosene lamps and candles and buzai. Now for the younger folk, that is exciting if you're thinking of having a picnic on the beach somewhere and there's no moonlight or whatever, a source of excitement, but not in terms of preparedness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But imagine growing up in these times with access to all amenities. You have electricity at the flick of a light switch. You have your fridge with all of your cold beers and your water and your frozen meats and all of that. And then you have access to the internet in terms of communication and so on. Along comes a weather system. And you had no idea that you would somehow find yourself where you would touch the light switch and nothing would happen. And you had to do something to save all of your meat that you had in your freezer. Some of us, we have a standing fridge and we have a freezer. Yes. With meat and meat and meat that we do not know when we're going to consume it. So, coming out of that, it is not all just sad stories. There are things that can be learned based on the information that is being shared. So you are now better able to prepare in the event. Because remember, we live in an area that it's like a cycle. Mm -hmm. Every year, the hurricane season comes around. Every year, you hear the preparedness messages. 
but how do you as a person prepare and what are you preparing for so you say but well, okay if a hurricane comes through there may be no lights what do i need lights for so there are, there is no electricity how am i going to provide light i'll have a flashlight which needs batteries or is solar powered i need matches i need candles and the older folk like me we need our kerosene lamp we're not doing without that you have the hurricane lantern with the metal thing over the glass so you can actually walk outside with it and then you have your lamp if you're old enough you will have a lamp with a home sweet home shade mm -hmm. that is <laughs> <I remember those. laughs> right every house had one a nice lamp with home sweet home written on the lampshade and the children were not allowed to clean that at all that mm -hmm. was a job for adults right and having a lamp was nothing you needed to have the kerosene and the matches so that the lamp could function or you had your gas lamp that you had to pump you think of okay we need fire for cooking how many gas cylinders do i have if the one that i have when it is finished how next am i going to prepare meals for my family do i have a coal pot do i have a bag of coals do i have wood somewhere in my area do i have a cutlass that is sharpened that i can cut wood if the cooking gas is finished my charcoal is finished can i provide hot meals for my family what about our laundry the machine will not work the washing machine will not work unless you want to spend any amount of money on putting gas in your generator to run your washing machine and the washing machine needs a constant supply of water from the tap mm -hmm. so if you don't have pipe-borne water are you going to carry buckets of water to dump into that washing machine or do you just put your clothes in a basin let us hope you have a basin that is big enough to carry your laundry or laundry basket and you go to the nearest river or stream do you really know how to wash in the river Mm -hmm. Do you just work with soap powder or do you need blocks of washing soap? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if that bag of soap powder falls in the river, that's it. Mm -hmm. You can't wash any clothes. And then once you are at the river, what else do you do there? You wash your dishes. Yeah. You take a bath. Mm -hmm. You relax. You enjoy yourselves with your neighbors and friends. It's a totally different lifestyle mm -hmm. but are you really prepared to live through that post hurricane period and really enjoy it and not be totally miserable mm -hmm. all of that is in terms of preparedness mm -hmm. some people do not begin to appreciate that sort of preparedness unless they find themselves in a bind mm -hmm. so for create caribbean ask your friends the next time you go shopping buy a kerosene lamp and store it somewhere make sure you have, have at least a liter of kerosene and a box of matches because the lamp won't work without kerosene and if <laughs> and your lamp has a wick go around to the places that sell fabric or whatever 
to find out do you sell lamp wicks or if they don't are you innovative enough to cut strips of cloth to make a wick for your lamp find out how a lamp works and all of that now the lights have gone we had our freezer full of meat what do we do are we just going to dump it no we paid good so money for that but mm. if we were prepared we would have had tons and tons of salt yes salt so that we could salt the meat and either sun dry or smoke it so that it is preserved and in the past prior to us having refrigerators we knew how to have dried things and smoked things hanging in bags from the ceiling in preparation for the hurricane season mm -hmm. that is information that we need to recapture mm -hmm. so that should that happen again we are always prepared mm -hmm. so we don't only eat smoked herring for breakfast when we feel like having a caribbean breakfast but we can have dried fish smoked fish mm. that doesn't only come out of a disaster and so that is why i said early in my introduction the old pot and that kind of traditional knowledge can save us a lot because we take our green banana peel and we throw it away but we can use it in preparation for the hurricane season to create that smoke that we use to dry our meat and our fish what about our bush teas now that covid is in the area people are talking about dominica we shouldn't be afraid of covid because we have so much good herbal medicine but do we even know what are the things that are around us that are important that other people are paying tons and tons of money to get and we take it for oh that's just bush in dominica when was the last time we drank a good shot a mixture of herbs so you have your lime peel nobody would throw away an orange skin you add the orange and you put the skin to dry mm -hmm. so that you could have orange skin tea that is very good and we have forgotten all of those things we throw away the orange skin which we know where the orange came from and we now go to the supermarket and we buy orange peel tea in a tea bag how ridiculous is that mm -hmm. and we have all of the things that we need but again if we do not prepare then when it happens we find ourselves in a bind and we now have to scramble and accept everything that is given to us is a matter of survival mm. but our survival of storms and other hard times in life is dependent a lot on how well we prepare and how well we prepare for these events is based on the information that we have so that we can plan mm -hmm. so the oral history from the older folk the information in the archives the listening to the map 
the life stories and you hear how people did what they did following this event, following that event, we do not have to go through it without learning the lessons of those who have gone before us. And I rest my case. Yeah, and I think the implications are so vast, um, Delia. So thank you so much for sharing that. Kayla, did you want to add anything? Yes, something this week reminded me of is that another part of preparation we don't really look at is taking care of the because it's after Hurricane Maria, we really started to treasure the river we have in Stowe Estate, we call it Wabin Zaman. After my hurricane, we lost all the trees along that river, and I realized the river was quickly diminishing. So then all the time we have to be monitoring the river to see how it's doing, and that's something that we wouldn't really take into mind before. But we know the next time something like this happens, we're going to have to depend on that river, we have to go and take care of that river. We have to make sure by the sea is clean, we have to make that the water stays clear in the spring we have over there at both house. No, we have to start to take care of these things because that's what we depend on. That's a part of hurricane preparedness. Also, making sure our breadfruit tree is okay because after, uh, after Hurricane Maria, breadfruit was in your bread <laughs> when the pigs fell down. You know, we had to take care of everything that was around us because we realized how instrumental it was in not only keeping normalcy for our personal healing, but also eating and sharing with other people. All those things are so important. So we have to take care of them before hurricanes and then after hurricanes as well. Yes, absolutely. So so bringing the lessons from Thank the you. past into bearing in the present. And we're getting ready to wind on the program. I wish we had another hour, so I, I suspect <laughs> we'll have to come back. But I think one of the important things that we're noticing here is the importance of the different generations are coming together on a project like this because i'm going to say uh delia you are our elder quote unquote although you don't look a day past 30 and i'm, I'm assuming that adam and i are probably around the same generation and then we have kayla who is and correct me if i'm wrong kayla you're a recent graduate of the dominica state college Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, so I think it is so important to see the different generations of Dominicans who are coming together on a project such as this. And I want to ask our final questions, which is the implication for the region as a whole based on a, a project like this. But again, if you're just joining us, we're talking about documenting the history and the impact of hurricanes in Dominica, and we have a wonderful panel joining us today. But before I ask our final question, let me hop over to the Facebook Live to see some of the contributions that our audience is sharing with us this evening. So we have Lu Louisa who says, it's so fortunate, and I think we kind of alluded to this as well, it is so fortunate that Dominica has a very fertile land and produce which will flourish after any disaster. Louisa, I don't think I could have said it any better than you. Let's see, Marva, let me scroll back up because we have quite a few comments on the live. Marva, all people around the world, the people love the living close to water and that makes us uh, vulnerable, I think she wanted to say. Mm -hmm. It does not matter where you live, they will always have landslides because we are mountainous and surrounded by water. Bagatelle had a major landslide where many people died 
and they had to resettle to another area. So thank you for that. Uh, Gabe Ab shared the number 767-225-5840, which is the number Adam has been sharing all along, and we will mention it at the end of the program as well. Let's see, Anthony Simon, is kerosene still readily available in Dominica? And Gabe says, very insightful. Uh, let's see, Teresa Lewis, Dominica bounced back so quickly after Maria. Thank you, Jesus. Any comments on anything that our audience is sharing um, this evening? Uh, I would say the, the one thing about the, the fertile land land stuff is, is very is very very true and it's very very important but what i would say is we were here six months after maria and i remember i remember distinctly one of my aunties telling me it was literally six months after so this is march 2018 i think um and she was saying how she was in the market and she said that a man had a, a hand of fig and it was almost like the first green bananas that had appeared in the market and she said that the way he was holding it she described it as being like a trophy because he was holding <laughs> The, the fig above his head, like it was his possession. And so just to, just to remember that it, that it did take six months for you to begin to see some produce in the market again. And so I think it was a long journey and to recognize that long journey is so important. But when people were coming to the end of that long journey, it was such a proud, it was a proud thing. And I think it was very important for people. So that was just a distinctive, distinctive memory there. Right, right. Anyone else? Yes, I just want to pick up on the thread of community, the sense of community that is very present within Dominica, and I would like to believe by extension the Caribbean, following a disaster, people put their differences aside. We have a belief and a faith in God. Even, even the drunkard who doesn't go to church has his faith and his own belief system. And that is what kind of carries us through when it seems that there is nothing else and Dominicans must be applauded for that spirit of resilience that we just think well but what else can we do we have no choice but to move forward and we don't understand that that is one of our assets and that became very apparent when the donor agencies started coming into Dominica following the passage of Hurricane Maria. And they were amazed that the people were so vibrant and so alive. And we were like, but how else did you expect us to be? And they're like, but we've been to other hurricane ravaged locations and people are so broken and they're just sitting there waiting for somebody to come help them. But we have this innate sense that we have to help ourselves and we need to help our neighbors. So the whole spirit of men is still very much alive and it is something that we need to cherish and we need to understand not everybody thinks that way. And this is what makes Dominica a blessed land mm -hmm. and makes us a resilient people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're seeing how resilient we are, even with uh, fighting COVID-19 right now. Oh, yeah. So I think we can see that the being resilient people extends beyond being prepared for hurricanes and just oh, yes. being ready for other disasters in general. So let's jump on the final question, which is the focus of this project right now is on Dominica. But what are the implications for the other Caribbean islands? We've seen recently a volcanic eruption in St. Vincent. We've seen an earthquake in Haiti. So are there 
implications based on these projects for other islands in the Caribbean? I'll, I'll, I'll take the lead on that one just from a technology perspective, if that's okay. Um, yes. So the person who we've got a web developer who's putting together the map and she's sent us the kind of drafts of it. It's very close to release, so coming soon, monitor the survivingstorms.com website. But the idea is that the, the map, the code for the map, so in other words, the blueprint for the map, could be replicated for other islands, and it could be shifted to incorporate data that is you, that, that relates to landslides, for instance, or that relates to earthquakes and tremors, or relates to volcanoes, perhaps, or, or any other kind of disaster, or even thinking more broadly about or history telling as it's mapped onto onto landscapes. So there's various different ways that the map kind of prototype can be used. But the idea is that it is a project which could be replicated elsewhere, and that anybody who is from a different island that is interested in this kind of thing could easily reach out to us, and we'd be able to give you the information step by step on how you'd go about creating something like this. And so all of the work that's gone into establishing it, all of the trial and error, learning as you go, as you're building something like this, we'd be able to share that information so that another island or another place would be able to pick that up and, and run with that information. So um, we'd like for it to be something that if people find it useful, that they could replicate elsewhere as well. And that includes like the um, like places in the South Pacific as well that we know are affected by tropical cyclones by different names, by typhoon or however you might be naming them, um, and also are subject to sea level rise and so on as well. So small island developing states around the world could, could use a similar kind of model to, to help them combat the kinds of things which Dominico is facing as a movement in the future. Yeah, well, congratulations. Congratulations, uh, Dr. Adam, on your incredible work and for recruiting such talented people such as uh, Kayla and Delia Wiesel, who we know as a you know cultural stalwart in Dominica, and she's always so ready. Even in my personal experience, I know it as a fact that she's always so ready to give back and to share her knowledge and to, to assist anyone who has the interest of Dominica at heart. So there are very important implications for this project in terms of you know, disaster, disaster risk management, um, managing the vulnerabilities of the Caribbean and just being able to plan around the various vulnerabilities and disasters that we face in Dominica and in the Caribbean as a whole. So I'm sure that you're super excited and you have great plans for this project, especially in terms of not just Dominica, but the implication for other uh, vulnerable places as well. So I want to thank you guys for joining us this afternoon to share your information. Again, the name of the website is survivingstorms.com. And the phone number, let's make sure I have the phone number that you can reach Adam and his crew is 767-225-5840. So again, 767-225-5840. And thanks to WhatsApp, you can now reach him from anywhere in the world if you are interested in making a contribution to this project and a contribution to history because this is the history of Dominica. So we want you to thank everyone listening for listening to Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. If you live in Canada, the US and the UK and are looking for Dominica products, including cocoa sticks, bay rum, coffee, soaps, crafts, and other popular Dominica items, then look no further. You can now shop 
on buydominicaonline.com, a secure, easy-to-navigate website selling a wide variety of Dominica-made and Dominica-inspired products. When you shop on buydominicaonline.com, you are helping to grow Dominica's economy. Go to buydominicaonline.com and enjoy home away from home. We're hoping that this Surviving Storms project will certainly take on a life of its own. So again, it is about us coming together to promote the work that each of us are doing for the benefit of this beautiful nature island, Dominica, that we consider, that we call, that we know to be our home. So I want to thank uh, Surviving Storms for stopping by and for sharing this important work that they're doing and for telling us how we can make a significant contribution to the project. So as we continue here, as we continue along with the program, I want to bring you this particular bit of information as our goal sharing tip for the week. Because so many of us are spending so much time alone, and I am uh, I think many times we see it as a negative. But there is actually a positive side to spending time alone. So I found this alone. I'm sorry. To spending time alone. Let's take that again. So I found this very interesting clip on YouTube by a group calling themselves Strong Mind, Strong Life. And the name of this particular piece is Science Explains Why Very Intelligent People Prefer to Be Alone. So again, Science Explains Why Very Intelligent People Prefer to Be Alone. And I think you will find it fascinating because it talks about the importance of just being able to spend some quiet time to be able to figure out problems and also to be able to spend some time just thinking about maybe your next step on that important goal that you're working on. So I wanted to take some time to share this one with you. So take a listen and then stay tuned as we come back to wind down the program. We talk about our featured video on Push Past 10. We'll talk about our next guest and we'll talk about all the important work that we're doing to continue to build this international village, this global community uh, that we've been talking about. So take a listen and stay tuned for the end of the program. Our very civilization is organized around the facts that we are social beings. But did you know that studies have been performed that indicate many people who are considered to be highly intelligent prefer to spend a lot of their time alone? The reason behind this theory is based on how our ancestors solved problems. For as long as we can remember, humans have worked together to solve all manner of problems, from social issues to complex mathematical and engineering feats. The two heads are better than one concept worked well since more brain power meant the generation of more ideas and working together made things easier. Today, however, through the rapid evolution and the influx of technology, these concepts can be somewhat outdated. Humankind now finds itself in the age of the solo problem solver, the 
lone achiever, blue sky thinkers who look outside the box and have the ability to transform the world through bold ideas and innate intelligence. Let's talk about the effect of being alone in regards to the Law of Attraction. Many have come to believe the Law of Attraction plays a great role in what you experience in life. If you set your minds to something, work towards it, and fully believe you can accomplish it, more often than not, you will find a way to achieve it. Positive thinking, coupled with positive action, can be the key to realizing or attracting almost anything you desire in life. But relay those goals to a group of friends or colleagues, and it only takes one detractor to say you can't do that to throw a wrench in the successful execution of your plans. The poison of negativity feeds negativity and creates a stifling, crippling environment that won't foster the inspiration and drive you need to succeed. For many, being alone and free from the negative energy others have to offer is a much easier space to create a life of positivity, achievement, and happiness. For many, being alone more often brings with it more peace, and with more peace comes more creative energy. With more creative energy comes greater results. Let's talk about the effect of being alone in regards to having an ability to solve problems. Evolution has allowed individual people the innate ability to solve an innumerable number of problems on their own. Historically, the evolution of our species shows us that working within a group was beneficial for problem solving. And while many aspects of our development once owed themselves to this approach, the ascendance of man in the current era has leapt forward so vastly, taking unprecedented strides and changing the way we look for solutions to problems. The way we think now encourages us to find ways to solve many of our problems on our own. Innovation and creative approaches often originate from people working in isolation. We now look to the individual for solutions. Our education has improved. Technology continues to advance at an astronomical pace, and we have access to more and more resources. Of course, this doesn't mean we can't sometimes use help from our friends and peers on the more difficult problems we face. It simply means that we can focus more completely when we work by ourselves, when we are self-reliant in our quest for solutions. Nowadays, the two heads concept often doesn't serve us, instead becoming a mess of too many cooks stirring the pot slowing down the problem-solving process and obstructing the person who has the intelligence and wherewithal to seek out answers. Often, intelligent people believe that in being alone and going it alone, they are more likely to figure out the solution to whatever the problem is in front of them. Now, let's talk about the effect of being alone in regards to the importance of socialization. It may sound counterintuitive at first, but the studies that showed intelligent people often prefer to be alone also showed that those same people socialize more often. 
This doesn't necessarily mean they spend most of their time with their friends, but rather they get out and explore the world around them, looking for new and exciting things to do, for experiences and inspiration that they can use when problem-solving. Yes, spending time with friends is essential for many reasons. We are still social beings, but when it comes to solving problems or finding solutions to important questions, the higher one's intelligence, the more desire they possess to search out the answers without negative influence from others. They achieve intelligent problem-solving by themselves. Being intelligent doesn't mean that you have to be antisocial and avoid your friends. Exploring your world and spending time with the people you enjoy allows for valuable time away from all the seriousness and pressures of life. It allows you to relax and enjoy yourself without having to worry about your responsibilities, all the things you need to get done, or what deadline needs to be met. Evidence shows us, however, that many of the remarkable developments of our modern age, many of the problems that have been successfully solved in our technological era, come from the work of people focusing on their undertakings privately, in their own space, all on their own. If you can't find the solution to a problem in your life, take some time away from unnecessary social activity. Avoid people who don't encourage you to find a way to overcome the hurdles you're facing. Take some time on your own to really focus on solutions. You may just find the answers you're looking for already exist within you. that we just listened to uh, science explains why intelligent people prefer to be alone brought to us by strong mind strong life on YouTube helps us to just recognize the importance of spending some time alone just to kind of go over the thoughts that are important the thoughts that can help us to propel our life in a positive direction to help us with those important goals that we have been working on and just to kind of figure out any problem that you might be dealing with right now. So here we are at the end of the program. You know, the time goes by so very quickly when you're having a wonderful time. So I hope that you have enjoyed our time together. Of course, you already know that I look forward to being here with you every Tuesday from 5.30 to 6.30 Eastern Time right here on TVN Radio. So if this was your first time tuning into the program, I want to say a special thank you for being here. 
And of course, I truly appreciate our regular listeners for always stopping by to enjoy our Power Up session together. So hopefully you're feeling a little bit more energized with all the information that we have shared today and you are ready to take on the rest of the week. So again, next week we are here, we are back at it again for another episode of Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. And next week I will be sure to bring you that Fadina Frampton interview that I've been promising. So this time I will go ahead and bring you that interview with Fadina Frampton. And don't forget for all the information you need to know about me, about the work that I do, about untapped potential, and so much more, you can visit uh, pushpast10.com. So that is P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T, the number 10.com, for all the information you need to know about the program and also for any past episode of the program that you've missed along the way for all of the great interviews that you may have missed along the way. So the website again, is pushpast10, P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T, the number 10.com for more information. And as always, we have a featured video for you this week. And this week, our featured video will be the official launch of the Nature Island Dominica Civil Liberties Foundation. So in short, it is NIDCLF.org. And it is an organization that was recently formed by Mr. Sheridan Gregoire, the CEO of Q95. And he's invited a few of us to be of this uh, very important organization where we are interested in maintaining the democracy the human rights, the civil liberties of Dominica. So a very timely organization as we continue to secure the democracy, the rights of Dominicans in Dominica. So I will have that featured video up for you on Push Past 10 as our featured video. And we will also continue to keep the surviving storms video, the entire video, because in the interest of time, I had to edit both the first video and the second video. So if you just want to sit back and relax and watch the entire video of all the presenters, uh, everyone who joined us for the surviving storms uh, panel discussion, then you can do so at pushpast10.com. So we continue to build this international village. You know, we've been doing this for all, almost a year now with the Facebook Lives. October will make it one year since we started the Facebook Lives programs and the community continues to grow because we are building an international village where we are taking all elements of Dominica. So we are looking at, for example, our healthcare. We are looking at parenting. We are looking at lifestyle, culture, uh, we're looking at youth development, financing. So everything that would make for a successful island, we're doing it on an international scale. So all the interviews that we do, all the programming, the Sassenu, the Creole program, everything that we do is aimed at creating an international community. Because think of it, for example, this way. 
Surviving Storms is a perfect example of what we're doing. So here we are, Surviving Storms, the participants of this particular Facebook Live, they were all located in Dominica. But Dr. Adam is actually from the UK with uh, Dominican heritage. I am in Georgia. I facilitated the conversation via Facebook Live and StreamYard. And then we had Dr. Thompson Fountain come on board to broadcast this particular interview. If you know Dr. Fountain, you know that he actually lives in South Sudan, Africa. And he broadcasts that particular radio station in Dominica with Q95. So think of it already. That is a perfect example of what we are doing. We are bringing people from around the world. So whether it be Africa, the US, Dominica, Canada, uh, the UK, we are bringing all Dominicans and Caribbean people from around the world to create this international village, this global community where we have this incredible amount of human resources that we can all pull together to help to build, to help to enrich, to help to advance the lives of our Dominican and Caribbean brothers and sisters at home and abroad. So can you tell that I'm really excited <laughs> about this work? I'm so excited to have the opportunity to do this work. And I'm also excited for folks like Delia Coffee Weeks, uh, Sam George right here on TDN Radio, who recognize what uh, my efforts are, and they refer other groups, or other organizations that have an important story, an important project that they're working on. They refer them to me so we can include them as part of the international community. So I don't do this by myself. We have a team of people who support the effort, and I have to also mention uh, Mr. Greg Gregory Rabess out there in Dominica. I have to mention Mr. Sobers Esprit out there in Dominica, as well as the legendary Gordon Henderson, who always supports the work, as well as Alex Bruno. So you can see, <laughs> I can go on forever with regards to everyone who's supporting the program, who recognize the need for this international community where we can tap in to all our human resources around the world to advance the lives of Dominicans and Caribbean people at home and abroad. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being a part of this community. I want to thank you for being a part of the experience. And I want to thank you for joining me each and every Tuesday right here on TDN Radio for Untapped Potentials. So until we meet again next week at the same time, same place, I want you to continue to remain positive, continue to remain productive, continue to remain engaged and active as we work towards our personal goals and the goals for our Caribbean islands and the goals for our brothers and sisters. So again, remember to tap into your potential each and every week and remember to enjoy the journey along the way. So until I, we meet again next week, right here back on TDN Radio, I wish you a wonderful week.